Welcome to the Creek with Church podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our new free app, which is the best way to listen to messages and keep up with everything happening at Creekwood Church. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. How many of you know that uh, life is short and that time is like, like literally passing by? I mean, it's like flying by. All my two boys, my 16-year-old and my 12-year-old have to do is sleep for eight hours. And I promise you, they, they gain, they grow an inch every time they do. I think, I'm not sure, I think Braden is seven foot four now. So he's really tall. Um, everyone looks at him and is like, who are you now? Okay, it's so funny. Um, but I want to just have an encouraging, you know, scripture. James 4.14 says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That's all I got, so let's pray. I'm just kidding, okay? Like, what, what, if, what if that's what it looked like? Man, so encouraging today. My name is Brad. I want to encourage you. Um, but time, like, flies by. And, um, you know, how many of you, like, we know we're getting older. And I know, like, how many of you want to be 30 again? Like, yeah, everyone with gray hair. It's like, yeah. Uh, because we, when we were 30, we really didn't have gray hair. We didn't have uh, aches and pains. Like, I have a shoulder issue right now, and I think, I'm not sure, but I think how I injured it was by drinking coffee. Like, I, I don't even think I did anything. And all my, my wrinkles and stuff. Here's the cool thing about nowadays. You can find out what you're going to look like uh, when you get a little bit older. Many of you have been on Facebook lately. There's a new Facebook uh, app, or face app. So here's a picture of my wife and I, Elise and I, you know, just a... Uh, you know, a few months ago, and then here's a picture of us when we get older. So, like, a, oh my gosh, apparently I turned into Santa Claus, so I don't know what happened. Elise didn't age a bit, like, what, what? man, I, I did it right, fellas, like, I did it right, um, but how many of you want the 80s back, okay, like, we, yes, because I want monster ballads back. Yeah, I want big hair. And, uh, but, you know, they're trying to bring it back, right? I mean, they, they are. They're, they're bringing the Lion King back. So good. Like, I went and saw it this week. So good. And guess what? I know God's returning. Jesus is returning soon because guess what's coming back? Top Gun. I'm t- serious. Tom Cruise is back. He's flying again. It's going to be amazing. Maybe goose. I don't even know. Like, it's, it changed my life in the 80s, all right? But, but our time is flying by. Psalms 39.4 says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. You know, sometimes we need to be reminded about how brief our time on earth will be. And, and uh, there's a website called deathclock.com. You can literally, don't go on this website, which means that you all will, um, but basically, this, if you put your information on this website, what it, what it does, it shoots out the day you're going to die. I decided to do it, and my date of death is February 6th, 2063. Now, I'm 43 years old. Do quick math. That means I got 44 more years to live. Yeah, like I'm excited. Problem was, I went back again the other day, and I did it again, and I lost 13 years. Like, it just totally changed. Like, I don't know. I was like, did I gain weight? Like, what happened? Um, it totally changed. And, but the, no one knows, right, that w- what day we're going to die other than God. But it reminded me 
that life is short for all of us. And, you know, it just kind of, I was like, what if you had 30 days to live? How would you live? You'd probably stop doing some things that you're doing. You'd probably start doing some things that you're not doing. And it would just change us. And I think that's what the scripture is saying. Like, we all have this mindset we're going to live forever. And that's not true. This, this, we're going to live forever. We're eternal. We have a body, soul, or triune being. Our soul will live forever. But this flesh, this thing will end and he's saying, hey, remind, I'm, I'm trying to remind you this thing is, is not permanent. And so what I've learned is anything you have a lot of, you tend to squander away. So if you have a lot of time, we can tend to go, what, whatever. You know, do whatever you want to do. If we have a lot of money, we tend to go, whatever. But when you have a limited supply of anything, what you do is you become very aware of your priorities. You begin to become very aware of what I say is the difference between things that are temporary versus things that are permanent. And maybe another way to say it is things that are temporary versus things that are eternal. And so my relationship with God all of a sudden becomes very important because I would hate to live this life not knowing God, like not knowing all the benefits that God wants to give for my life. But it's not just God, it's our relationships with our our family members and our loved ones that are eternal as well. And maybe it's your finances. You, if you have a lot of something, you tend to squander your finances. But when you have a limited supply and you become very aware that there's only so much that's going to come through me in my lifetime, God says there's a temporary way to use our finances and there's an eternal way that we can actually build up treasures in heaven. And so I want to talk about the power of priority today. And uh, this jar, I got these jars for an illustration. This jar represents our lives. And so this may be a day of your life. It could be a week of your life. It could be a year. It could be a season of your life. And these little pebbles, these represent like the unimportant things in your life. Like these are the things like hobbies and it could be golfing. It could be uh, playing. I like to play basketball on Saturday morning because um, I, I, I mean, I think I still have a few years of eligibility, and um, so I'm really working at it, uh, you know, and then, I, you know, so there's, there's temporary things, and so this, a lot of us, this is like things like social media, Facebook, um, Twitter, uh, what is it, Instagram, oh my gosh, how did I forget, Instagram, like that's taken over, um, some of you, it's like Snapchat, some of you, it's TikTok, and I mean, there's all these different things, right, and all the young people are like, yeah, TikTok, I know what TikTok is, and so there's, this, like, this is what a lot of you are doing, and, and this is the order we live most of our lives, so it's all these temporary things, all these things that aren't permanent, not bad necessarily, just frivolous, things that are unimportant, they're in our lives first, and then we have the big rocks in our lives, what I would say, these are the priorities, these are the things that are actually important to us. And so things like, like God, like, and so what you'll notice is when we put the unimportant things in our lives first, and then we get, you know, I need to spend time with God. And so I put God in my life because I need God in my life. And then I, and I go, oh, my, my wife, I got to spend time with Elise. Like, I need to spend time with my wife. And so I put, uh, you know, Elise in here. And then I put Braden and Landon, my two boys. I need to spend some quality time with Braden and Landon. And then I got, um, I, you know, for me, an important thing, um, this is C. I've got these labeled. So this is the letter C. And um, I asked someone, what does the C stand for you? And someone said coffee. 
Like that's a permanent, that's a permanent requirement in my life, like coffee. No, okay, career, okay, like this is my career. I wanna, I wanna have a great career. I want, maybe I need to get educated. I don't know what that is. It's a priority in my life. Finances, I wanna make sure God's first in my finances. It's a big deal. And so that's a big rock in my life, big important thing. And then I've got, for me, this is my body. Like this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, guys. Okay, like, <laughs> someone clapped. Okay, like what? <laughs> what? Um, in the first service yesterday, I'm admitting this, I actually had a, one of these was undone, my button. And so afterwards, they were like, really? And I was like, that was intentional. Okay, like, um, so working out is a big deal. Like, it, I think it should be part of our lives because you, can, you only have one body. You need to make, make it. And so here's what happens is this is the way most of our, our lives look. And so this creates a lot of anxiety for a lot of people because just staring at that, what you find is, as much as I try, as hard as I try, I tend to neglect some things that are really important in my life. And they hang over the edges of my life. They don't fit quite well in my, in my life. And so, like, I, I, I neglect, maybe it's God. Or maybe during 21 days of prayer and fasting, you're like, man, I was so close with God. I did not neglect God. He was right there. He was in the jar. But because I had to come to church and pray, then I didn't get to go to work, work out, so I missed my body. Like, you know, and so you neglected certain things. But what if, and here's what I want you to understand today, when it comes to things of God, order is important. Order is important. What if I were to take the big rocks in my life, change the order, not anything different other than order, and I were to say, God, I'm not gonna cram you into my little prayer at the end of my day, or I'm gonna pray at dinner and that's all you get, or you get my little Sunday experience. But what if I say, God, you're gonna be number one. I'm actually gonna spend time with you. I want to learn to hear your voice. What if I put you first in my life? And what if I say, you know what, Elise? Like, like we're going we're gonna to date. Like, we're not just going to say we're married. We're actually going to spend time with each other. And, and that's important. And Braden and Landon, my two boys, right now, they need not just quality. They need quantity. They're going to leave my house. And everyone said amen. Okay, one day. And, but I need to spend time with them right now, every day of my life. That's a priority. And so Braden and Landon need to go in there. Sometimes Landon. Okay, I'm just kidding. Um, and then um, my, my, my finances, I want to I tithe. That's a big deal to me that I say, God, you're going to be first. You know something about in the supernatural that happens when I, when I give to you first. And so um, I'm going to tithe to you. That's a big deal to me. And then my, my career, man, I, maybe I got to go get educated. You know, I don't know what that looks like, but I'm going to do some things that enhance my career. It's a priority to me. And so in my body, I'm going to work out every day. Now, some, it, maybe I just go to the, I just take 30 minutes and I, I go on a walk, you know, but I, every day it's going to be a priority because it matters. And then what happens when you do that and you, and you put the priorities in first, what happens is the big rocks first in your life, what happens is all these other things, the unimportant things, Facebook, 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 Twitter, Twitter, right? You know, I don't know what that is for you. Shopping, golf. It could be basketball. It could be whatever you do, whatever you like to do. Um, what you'll notice is it all fits. And it's amazing how Matthew 6, 33 actually works in our lives. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you as well. It's crazy how that works. 
And I, I want to I tell you something. I think this is something that most of us don't understand, but this is what you need to hear in your life. For many of us, and by the way, I'm talking to myself. Every time I speak up here, I'm telling you, normally it's something that God's working in my life. Many of us, we live where our lives are out of order. It's not easy to hear, but it's just reality. It's not necessarily bad things like working out or, 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 or playing golf. These aren't bad things. But you're not going pro. I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's you or not. But, but at the end of the day, it's not important. At the end of the day, it's not a priority. So what if we put first things first, and what happens is all these other things will actually fit in? Proverbs 17, 24 says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. See, I believe most of you knew what was going to happen when I, when I showed this illustration. Like, this isn't rocket science. Most of you knew that that was going to fit like that. But there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing what to, is knowing, you know, having the, having the understanding of what you're supposed to do. Wisdom is being able to apply what you know to do. Most of us aren't willing to apply what we know. But if we'll apply what we know, and we'll, we'll, we'll say, hey, we care about the priorities in our lives. What I think is so important that God, this isn't just a physics thing. Like this doesn't just work because it worked. Like this is a physical, like this is a natural phenomenon. No, this is a supernatural thing. You put God first, all these other things actually get added. I, what I say is that God is a space maker in our lives. When you put God first, when I take time in my morning and I say, God, I'm gonna spend time with you and I, I wanna put you first in my life, well, inevitably, the rest of my day, everything works. Everything works together. It's not that my stresses don't go away, but it, it's like I've let him carry the weight of it. You know? And, and he, he goes before me and I think it's important for us to understand. So I wanna talk about the power of priority. And there's three things that I think is so important. God has been speaking to my life, so I'm preaching to myself. You can listen. Okay, like this is for me. But the first thing is that God will only be first. God will only be first in our lives. This is all throughout the scripture. This is the first of the Ten Commandments. We see this. Exodus 20 says, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, when, just so you understand some of the history, they were, the, they were taken out of slavery, out of, the, out of Egypt. What most people don't know is Egypt was known, notorious for having a lot of gods. Like all these primary gods and these what they called um, um, smaller gods. They had, these, they had these like thousands of lesser gods. And, and so God says, in the first of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other God before me. And I think a lot of people read that and they're like, why, why is God so, like, why is he so egotistical? Why is he such an egomaniac? Like, why does he need to be first? And what you have to understand is God is not a religious God. He is a relational God. And so when Elise and I got married 21 years ago in December 27th, got it, girl. And she, okay, in front of everybody, I got that. You know, but when we got married, man, what if, like, this, I'm shortening our vows, but what if she had said to me, Brad, of the 3.5 billion guys in the world, 
Like, I got you, like, I, I love you so much, I'm gonna put a ring on it. Okay, like, some of you know that song. If you like it, then you, okay, like, she, she's like, I'm going, I like you that much, I love you that much, you are the man. Like, you are number one. What if I had turned around to her and said my vows to her and said, girl, of the 3.5 billion women that are out there, I got you high up there. Like, <laughs> high. Like, like, you're a third sliding to number two. Like, what if I had said that? That would not work. It would not work. And because, like, the commitment she made for me it demands the same in return. And this is the way God is. God will only be first in our life. And I want to show you how you communicate God to God that he's first. We put God first by giving him the first of everything. We put God first by giving him the first of everything. This is all throughout scripture. This, 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 this is all per, throughout all of our lives. And um, I'm going to give you just a few examples of when God required the first when they went into the promised land, when the Israelites went into the promised land, um, they had to defeat all these different enemies. And the first one, and many of you know this, the first one they defeated was the city of Jericho. Y'all know the story. They had walked around it seven times and the walls came down as a miracle. But what most of us forget is what they actually said in the scripture that after the city was defeated, that was the first city. He said, don't take the gold and silver for yourself. In this first city, I want you to take the gold and the silver and I want you to bring it back to me. And it's because it was the first. And by the way, there was one who kept it for himself. And do you know that the Israelites could not defeat the second city because of one man? Crazy, that's a whole other message, but that's, just, that's an example. When your firstborn animal has an offspring, God says to sacrifice the firstborn to him. Don't wait till your sheep has 10 lamb, and then all of a sudden, the ninth one who's really annoying because he eats the grass in your front yard, like he's annoying, and you're like, get him out of my front yard. No, we're going to give that one to God. Like, like that's, no, he's not saying that. When you have a harvest, give the first fruits to me. Like, give the first. Don't wait till all your bills are paid, and then we'll give of the rest. No, he's saying give the first. And this is the reason God accepted Abel's offering, and he didn't accept Cain's offering. Um, Genesis 4, 3 through 5 says, in the course of time, underline in your Bibles, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering. He brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Y'all ready for a joke? Y'all want a joke? I'm going to give you a Cain and Abel joke. I don't know if you're ready for it. Why did God, why didn't God receive God a Cain's offering? Yeah, you go. Okay, Cain tried to, but he wasn't able. Okay, it's so dumb. Okay, use it if you want. I don't care. Uh, but because he wasn't able. Okay, no. The reason that God accepted Cain's or Abel's offering and not Cain's is because Cain gave over the course of time. But Abel gave of the firstborn. And this is why tithing is so important, not because God wants your money, but he wants your heart. You know, I used to struggle with talking about tithing. Years ago, Pastor Stephen 
This was like 13, 14 years ago. Stephen said, hey, hey, Brad, I want, he gave me the privilege of speaking on tithing. And it was awesome. And I was like, oh, my word. Like, what am I? And I struggled not because I didn't tithe, because I believed in it. And I, I saw what it did in my own life. But I knew so many people didn't tithe. And I was going to be like stepping on toes. And people were just like, this was going to be a problem. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, he said this, don't ever apologize for my word. And to this day, I, I will never apologize for speaking on something that I wholeheartedly believe in, that when we give in our finances to God first, he will, mark my words, he will bless the rest. And if you don't tithe, you will never experience this. But he always blesses the rest. And Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be. It's a heart issue. It's not a thing. It's not a, it's not a finance issue. God, God has it all. He doesn't need it. Like, he doesn't need it. He wants your heart. Leviticus 27, 30 says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. And I love this. And he actually says, it's holy to the Lord. Whether you realize it or not, the first 10% of what you produce, what you generate in income, is holy to God. It's, it's actually holy to God. You determine what you're going to do with it. Are you going to spend it? Because that's, that's like your, that's your insurance, that everything's cool, that's my savings. Or are you going to give it to God and say, God, I trust you. You're communicating something to God when you, based on how you prioritize your finances. Um, Deuteronomy 14, 23 says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. And it's not just our money. And so when we're talking about this principle, God will only be first. It's not just our money that we look at in our lives. It's our time and what we do with the first of our year and the first of our week and the first of our day. And I think it's so important that we understand at the beginning of our year at 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you're new here, you may not know what that is, but the beginning of January, we take 21 days and we say, God, we're going to put you first. We're gonna lay this church ahead of, of, this isn't us, this isn't about us, but we're saying, God, the foundation of this whole year is gonna be about you. And so it's important that you understand that. And so one of the values we have at Creekwood is we keep Jesus at the center. It's an important value that we have. Everything we do here at Creekwood is about keeping God and putting him first in our lives. And I think this is the second thing that God's been talking to me about. Because I can't talk about power of priority without talking about priority's little bitty brother called preparation. There's a purpose in preparation. One of my favorite quotes of all time, it's a golf quote. I don't remember if it was Ben Hogan or who it was, but the quote goes, if you don't bring it with you, if you didn't bring it with you, you're not going to find it out here. If you didn't bring it with you, you're not going to find it out here. In other words, what he was saying is if you don't practice how to hit a sand wedge out of sand over and over and over again, when you need it and when it's, when it's time, maybe in the Masters or wherever you're at playing, you are not going to be able to know how to hit that shot. If you didn't bring it with you, you're not going to find it out here. It's a huge like, life lesson about preparation. I think one of the most important lessons in our life, tools in our life, has to do with how we prepare. Most battles in your life will be won or lost based on how you prepare. 
I know this is true in sports. How many of you like NASCAR? Yeah, okay, three of you, awesome. Um, so, <laughs> like every service. I think one service we had one, and it was a half raise. Well, kind of, not really. Okay, like, and that's the way it's been, and that's so true. But I don't have a choice. If I want to have a relationship with my father-in-law, I have to like NASCAR because everything, we, when we go to my father-in-law's house, all he's ever watching is NASCAR. And most people don't know this, but he's a mechanic. He has a salvage business. Like, he knows everything about NASCAR. He actually worked on a pit crew one time, raced, did all this stuff, knows everything. And what he'll tell you is this. The race typically is not won on the racetrack. What he'll tell you is the race is always won in the garage. And so what it is, is most people don't understand this, but there's, there's one driver. So you see one driver raising up the cup, you know, on ESPN. I don't even know the names of the drivers. I honestly have no idea. I know one name, Ricky Bobby. That's what I know. I know the one Ricky Bobby NASCAR driver we know. Bake and shake and bake. That's all I got, okay? And so what happens is you see the guy on ESPN. He's chugging milk like I'm doing donuts in the grass. You're like, that dude is awesome. But what you have no idea is for every one single driver like that, there's 350 people in the garage on that team. Because there's, they're raising the cup on Sunday, but the, the, the race really was won on Monday because there's someone working on the garage on Monday on that car. Someone says, are we racing in Talladega? Are we in Sonoma? Where are we at? Because it makes a difference because the amount of fuel we need to bring, someone cares about the, 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 the pressure of the tires, someone's like fixing the transmission. I don't even know, the tranny, they're working on it, the stuff, you know, they're working, they're freaking out, kind of blah, blah, blah. Someone's, worried. someone's trying to reduce the weight of the, the NASCAR, that car, by even a tenth of a pound because it makes it that much lighter so it can go that much faster. Someone's preparing behind the scenes to make that driver hit the victory lane and win. What I've found is that most of us, so many of us, we want to be on the racetrack of our lives. We want to be winning the race on the track when God has many of us back in the garage preparing you. And it's frustrating for you. But I want you to know this, and I want you to hear when I say this. God's provision always awaits, his, God's provision always awaits preparation in our lives. God's provision always awaits preparation because God is a God of preparation. You ever notice that Jesus, when he was feeding the multitudes in the Gospels, when he was feeding to the 4,000, I remember reading this even the other day, what is the first thing he did? He said, told them all to go sit in the grass. Why did he do that? Because provision awaits preparation. He was preparing them before he provided for them. One of my favorite Bible characters is Elijah, the prophet Elijah, and close second is Elisha. And these are the prophets that in First Kings, if you know First, read First and Second Kings is amazing. But Elijah was a prophet that did so many miracles, so many things for God. He was the voice of God, and he would speak all these things. He would speak. God would speak through him and to the nation, and it was amazing what God did through Elijah. Most people don't. I, I hate that they put that God put Elijah and Elisha back to back because it's so confusing. It's like who was Elijah or Elisha, and we would just kind of go Elijah. <laughs> like we just mix them. <laughs> and no, Elijah is first. Elisha is second. You know how I know that? Because J comes before S. 
There you go. Now you know. Okay. So Elisha was a successor to Elijah. Okay. And there was God was at Elijah was at that place where he was being. Um, if you know the story, he was being chased by Jezebel, who was trying to kill him, and he was freaking out. And God says, go back to where you came from. I have a successor for you. Of course, Elijah didn't know who it was. It ended up being Elisha. And so this is where we pick up in 1 Kings 19. It says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went to him and threw his cloak around him. So what was Elisha doing, the successor to Elijah, when Elijah found him? The Bible says he was praying, right? The Bible says that he was prophesying, right? Surely he was at least preaching. He's going to be the next, the successor to Elijah, the prophet, doing all these miracles. And what the Bible says he's doing is plowing. And not just plowing, he's plowing behind 12 pair of oxen. Do you know what the view is like behind 12 pair of oxen? Do you know what the smell is like behind 12 <laughs> pair? It's very similar to my house, is all I'm saying. In certain portions of my house, um, Upstairs where the boys are at. But, but it's crazy. And I, I would think, like, why? Why? Why wouldn't God? Why, why didn't Elisha go to the prophet school? I mean, because there was a prophet school in the Old Testament, like where these people would learn how to, how to preach and how to do all these things. And why wouldn't he go to the prophet school? And I started thinking about how Creekwoods first started. And I started thinking about the early days. And it's like, well, maybe God didn't need someone who knew how to preach. Maybe he, he needed someone at that moment who knew how to plow. Maybe God needed someone. He knew what was going to happen in the future. And he needed someone that was going to have some rugged ability, some ability to get dirty. He needed someone that knew what it was like to be behind 12 oxen. He needed someone that when the time got tough and when it got difficult, didn't say, you know what? I throw my hands up in the air and I'm going to quit. He needed someone who knew what it was like to be in the field. He needed someone who knew what it was like to kill a bear. In order to one day be a king, he needed someone. What, what? I'm just telling you what I've learned in my life is the school that God brings you in is often not the calling he has for you. And you got to understand where he has you right now sometimes is in the garage of your life, even if you don't want to be there. And it's so powerful we understand that. My fear is that we have a generation that knows how to post but doesn't know how to plow. There's purpose and there's power in preparation. We started Creekwood 14 years ago. We didn't have social media. We didn't have a website. We didn't have an app. Now we have an app, and it frustrates me when I find out that someone did not download the app. You have no idea how hard we work for the app. And I say, did you get the app? All you got to do is hit a button. And you're like, nah. Like, just humor me. Don't even use it. Just get it. Like, just get it. You know, because we worked so hard to be able to get to this place. And here's what I know. We didn't have any money. We didn't have anything. But what I knew is we knew how to, what, it was, what it would take to be in the garage. We were okay with being in the garage of our lives. We were okay with plowing. And I hope to God, Creekwood Church never gets to the place 
where we, we forget what it feels like to plow. May we never be a, a people that we ever arrive, but we know how to plow and I remember the days we could not afford a mail out. We could not afford the stamps to put on a, mail, a mailer. We were trying to mail out to 20,000 people because no one knew who Creekwood Church was. And we needed the money. We did not have the money. So you know what we had the money for? Was to buy the door hangers. Because it didn't need a stamp. And so what we would do is we would walk from one house to another. We'd probably hit your home. And you were probably the one that yelled at us because we were walking in your grass. And, we, and we, were, we were putting up door hangers on people's doors. And I remember some of, the, some of the people would run, like to try to make it faster, and it would cause a lot of chaos in the community. They were like, what are you doing? And so we would tell people, hey, stop running. They're gonna think we're the weird church. <laughs> and so we would, we would hang individual doors. See, if you're gritty enough to walk the city for God, maybe someday God will give you a billboard. He gave us a billboard to reach more people. See, if you're gritty enough... To, to have to come and go every Sunday morning on a, with, a, with a, what we called a taco truck to be able to set up at, at Rogene Worley Middle School. Maybe someday God will give you a better location and you'll be at Mansfield High School. And then maybe if you're gritty enough at Mansfield High School to do two to three services on a Sunday and set up teardown every single weekend, maybe God will one day give you a permanent location like 260 North Miller Road. Maybe if you're gritty enough to have four services in a place like this, maybe God will one day give you a, a, another campus at, at 108 acres on 1187. Are you kidding me? I don't know what all God's going to do. But I'm telling you, he's preparing us for something great. And this isn't theory in my life. This isn't philosophy in my life. This is personal experience. If you are faithful in the little, he'll make you faithful in much. It's called preparation. Everything I found out now that I'm 43 years old is preparation in my life. And I mean everything is preparing. God will not waste anything. That pain you're experiencing right now, I'm speaking to someone. I don't know who I was speaking to. I'm speaking to someone right now. The pain you're experiencing right now physically will be preparation for what you're going to go through. If you'll put it in God's hands, it will be healing for the next season of your life. Some of you right now, you have failed in something. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's in a relationship. I don't know what it is, but you have been, you have, you call yourself a failure because the enemy calls you by your sin. God, God knows you by your name. And I'm telling you right now, he's calling you out saying, you are a failure. If you will put that in God's hands, it won't be a failure. God will use it as preparation for the next thing in your life. And so God, listen to this, God is preparing you now for what he's prepared you for. God is preparing you for what he has prepared you for, just like Elisha. I love, I love this. Elisha wasn't going, I'm over here, I'm over here. Like I'm plowing, hey, Elijah, I'm over here. He never had to point himself out. Here's what I found out. A lot of people feel lost, but I think God is hiding you. I know when, I'm, when I want something really bad to eat, I gotta hide it from my boys. <laughs> Snickers go fast in my house. You gotta hide it in the back of the refrigerator. Can't be sitting out front. And so what I found is if I want if I want to have it later, I got to hide it. So some of you think you're lost right now because you're plowing behind 12 oxen. 
God is hiding you. He knows exactly where you are when the time is right. Humble yourself before the mighty God. Keep doing what God has you, where he has you planted. And God is preparing you for something great. Here's the third thing. I think this is the most important thing that God's been speaking to my life about. I hope he's speaking to your life about. I hope this ministers to you because this is so powerful for me. So to prioritize your first love. Prioritize your first love. Revelation 2, 2 through 4 says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. In other words, what God's saying is, hey, I see what you're doing. Like, I see, like some of you, you've been tithing like my wife and I, for, for 21 years. Like, I see you've done, you've got the big rocks in there. Like, you've been serving. Some of you have been serving at Creekwood for 10 years. It's amazing. You've been serving. Some of you went to serve day the other day, and you served a, a family that, that was, you know, the Bible says when you serve the least of these, you're serving me, and, and you did these awesome things, and God's saying, hey, I even see what you're doing. You're persevering. It's amazing. But I still hold something. I fors- there's something You've forsaken. And I think what he's saying is you, you're letting your love from me grow stale. And I, 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 this is really what God has been dealing with me about. Because 96% of Americans are, say they're Christians, like they believe in God. But I think most of them keep God in a little corner of their week. Like he's, a little, he's my Sunday God. But God, God's not a religious God. He's a relational God. And so if you get caught doing all these things and all these things and all these things and all these things and all these things, what happens, and this is one of my fear in this message like this when you're going, you got to put God first. Like God's preparing you. My fear is that you, this will be a behavior modification message. And all you'll do is, man, Pastor Brad said we need to tithe. And Stephen, Pastor Stephen, you know what? He said, he said we got, we got we to serve. And so I'm going to be like a robot and this will become legalism, and I'm going to do this. And what happens is this becomes religious obligation eventually. And I promise you, your love, if, you're, if your love for God grows stale, these things just become, you're just like a little robot. And God's going, I love that you tithe, but I don't need your stuff. I need your heart. And you know what? I'm... I'm, I'm preaching this message because this is what God's been communicating and preaching to me. And I'm sitting up here as a pastor and there are times where I'm going, God, I just feel stale. I've been doing the do. Like I've been doing it. I'm even preaching right now. Like what more? You want me to be the Pope? You know, I don't know what you want. And I'm literally just like, what else do you, what else do I got to do? And I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me this scripture like you don't let this thing go stale on you because this is your priority. Like, this is it. And the Holy Spirit said this to me, let what you do be out of an overflow of your love and not out of religious duty because religious duty will fail you. It'll fail you. If you just tithe because you're, because Creekwood said to tithe, it'll fail you. But, but what if you do it out of an overflow? And what I found out is just like any relationship that I have in my life, I gotta keep working on it. 
I got it. Oh, or it will grow stale. We have a counselor at Creekwood. She's actually our worship director, Rachel Henning. She was up here leading worship today, and she, she said to me, she goes, I counsel a lot of relationships. She said, my pet peeve is when I get into a counseling session with my relationships or with some of these people that are in a relationship and they're about to get divorced. And the, the reason for divorce is I've fallen out of love. She goes, Brad, I can't stand it. She said, because you don't fall out of love. You choose. Just like you chose to be in love, you choose to stay in love. It's a choice. You don't fall out of it. And so I, I think what we have to do is we have to learn, we have to learn how to cultivate our relationship with God. What does it look like to stay in love? I don't know about you, but I gotta date my wife. Like I'm going to take her out on a date every single week. We're going to Lily's on Friday because it's so good down in Fort Worth. Little salmon, so good. I'm taking her on a vacation where it's just the two of us. And my boys are not welcome. Can I get a better Amen. Golly, okay, hit a nerve, okay, like, no, that's exactly right. I'm gonna date my wife. You gotta, it's kind of weird to say date God, okay, but at the end of the day, man, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta foster this thing. You gotta, you gotta plow, you gotta work at it. It's gotta be, he's gotta be part of your life. I love it, John 15, four says, remain in me, I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. There's something about staying attached to God. It's not just a do thing without a love thing. So I don't want you to just do without loving. Like take away tithing, great, awesome. But take, please take first away. We do this out of an overflow. And this is what I, I, I wanted God, God gave me this for our church and I wanna say this to you and I'm gonna close with this, I wanna pray for you. This is, the, this is what God I feel like is saying to us. Creekwood Church, where I'm taking you, you will need to remain passionately connected to your source. God is preparing you for what he's prepared you for. So Creekwood Church, seek first. God in his righteousness, Creekwood, all these other things will be added to you. I pray that we're always a church that doesn't just give lip service that God will be first, but he truly is first in our lives. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for every person in this place. And if you are in this place and you know that, man, you're, maybe your relationship with God has grown stale. Maybe you're like me, and that relationship has grown stale. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I wanna pray with you. We're gonna pray. Thank you all over this place. Just be honest with God. It's okay. Thank you. Maybe you let your relationship with God grow stale. We're gonna pray in just a moment. Maybe you're in this place and you've never accepted Christ before in your life. Like this is a new thing to you and you've never accepted Christ. You say, Brad, I want you to pray for me to accept Jesus into my heart right now. It's a holy moment. This is a cornerstone moment for a lot of people in this place. If you say, Brad, that's me, would you just pray for me? Just raise your hand if that's you. Just say, Brad, I want, I, I want to accept Christ into my life. Thank you. Thank you. Brad, I want, to, I want to accept Jesus into my life right now. And I want every single one of us, full church, full voice, to repeat this after me. Just pray this after me. God, I need a Savior. I thank you that you gave your one and only son, Jesus, 
and he died on the cross for my sins. God, I pray from this day forward that you would be the savior of my life. And I place you priority over everything in my life. Now I wanna pray for everyone in this place that have struggled with maybe keeping you first and it's a stale relationship. Lord, I lift up every family, every person at Creekwood where you've just become stale to them. God, as they put you first again, sometimes we gotta start with our choice in order to get to the field. But as we put you first again, God, I pray that this relationship becomes so real. We don't do this out of religious obligation. We got it out of relationship with you. I pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we would love to have you engage in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.